Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. May 8th, 2016. Good day to you, and welcome to the FC Podcast. I'm Bobby, and I'm super glad you're joining us today. Before we get to the message, let me fill you in on what's happening right now at Foundations Church. Pizza with the Pastors is coming up. It's on May the 22nd at Savastano's Pizza. If you're new to FC, are thinking about becoming a member, or just want more insight into our church in a really laid-back atmosphere, then this is for you. RSVP online at foundationschurch.tv because this pizza is seriously good, but we only have limited space. Also of note, our golf tournament at Beadler Ranch Golf Club in Owasso on June 4th. Remember, it's not about winning, it's about sending our youth and kids off to camp, since the proceeds go towards scholarships for kids who can't afford to go. So sign up online or in the Connect Center. And I lied, it's totally about winning. Alright, so now that all that's out of the way, it's week uh, like three-ish, I think, of the B-Team. So I humbly yet proudly present to you our special Mother's Day sermon given by teacher and newly published author, Casey Graves. How's everybody today? Happy Mother's Day. I'm so honored to get to be a small part of your Mother's Day celebration today. So like Justin said, men, just go all out and celebrate that woman in your life and uh, make sure that she knows she's loved. Uh, my favorite meme or you know, Facebook thing I saw this week was one of those pictures that says, mother, the definition, a person who does the work of 20 for free. So there you go. Celebrate that person in your life for doing all that for you. And moms and all ladies, we wanna celebrate all you ladies here today because we love you. And we know that Mother's Day is hard for a lot of people, so just every lady in here, we wanna celebrate you. We have cupcakes in the lobby after first and second service. Kat Buck is uh, one of our family members here at Foundations Church, and she has just recently started a, um, not a bakery, but a catering business. Yes, so she has provided the cupcakes. Be sure to enjoy those. And we have two photo booths, because mamas love pictures. So round up the kids and force them to smile as many times as she wants today. I have already done that. And there's a smaller photo booth in the lobby, and there's a big one down by the kids' area if you're picking up your kids. Be sure to use those today. So today I wanna have a little bit of fun before we start our sermon. Uh, When I was growing up on Mother's Day, we did two things. We always wore hats. Anybody else wear hats when you were growing up in church? Okay, there's like one person, Karen, it's me and you. I wish I had a picture to prove that I wore the little hat. The second thing is we always played the little prize game of they gave carnations to the oldest mom, the youngest mom, and the mom with the most kids. Anybody ever do that in church? 
Come on, that's like, okay, good, thank you. Y'all are here, you're with me. So we're gonna do the Foundations Church version of that today, kind of do a little throwback, but spice it up a little bit, and give out a few prizes of my favorite things this morning, just to add a little bit of special to your life. So we're gonna um, give a prize to the newest mom, so the mom with the littlest baby today, I hope there's one here early, uh, because she needs uh, some sleep. She is sleep deprived today, so we want to give her a present. We're gonna give a prize to the mom for the longest. Did you see how we worded that? This has nothing to do with how old she is. This is you have been awesome for the longest. You have been cooking and cleaning and keeping everybody's stuff running and in order for the longest. And the biggest baby, the mom who's birthed the biggest baby, because she just needs a prize. I mean, there's just no other reason, because she just needs something today. Yes. I have a really cute assistant down here. Yes, I do. Okay, so this is going to be kind of like an auction. I'm going to need you to raise your hand and make some noise if this fits you to see if you can get a prize. So for the newest mom, my favorite place to get coffee is Topeka Coffee downtown with the best cinnamon rolls in the world. And this mama who's sleep deprived, take her to get some coffee and then let her take a nap. Okay, so if you have a baby with, you might be in the cry room, run in here with that baby. Um, that is, let's start with 12 weeks or younger, raise your hand. Anybody in here? There's one back there, I see her. Anybody else? Anybody else, just the one? That was easy, yay! All right, ready to go, Krista, get some coffee and a nap, please. Okay, so the mom for the longest. You have been awesome for the longest. You need to teach us all your tricks. We are gonna let you go somewhere to eat food that you don't have to cook or clean up after. I have a gift certificate for a restaurant, and you can pick. There's several places on there. And also, every gift comes with chocolate because that's always my favorite. Okay, so we have to be careful because this has nothing to do with how old you are. It's how long you've been a mama. If you've been a mama for 40 years or longer, raise your hand. I can't see. Okay, there's one, there's two. Oh, a whole bunch, yay. All right, it's on. If you've been a mom for 45 years or longer, keep your arm, your hand raised real high. Is there just one? Oh, two. Okay, a mom for 50 years or longer. It's a battle. Just one? Just one? All right, yay. Congratulations, that's Katie. Yay, Katie. Okay, now for the biggest baby because you just need a prize today. Um, I didn't have any idea what to do for this, so uh, Trina Robertson goes to church here. She's awesome. She has a spa, and she has donated um, a mani-pedi for this person, um, and there's some chocolate too, but if you, let's start with nine pounds. Anybody in here birth a nine-pound baby? Oh, bunches, okay. How about, I can't see y'all. I'm sorry I'm doing this. If you had a 10-pound baby, keep your hand raised. One, two, oh, wow. All right, bless you, I wish I had three gift cards. 10 and a half pounds. Oh, we got a winner? Is there just one or is there two? One, all right, okay, there you go. Congratulations, that was fun. All right, now, <laughs> I wish I could give you all prizes too, man, you need it, okay. 
I get to continue our series today in the B Team series. I'm trying not to be offended that I'm preaching in the B Team series. I don't take it personal today. Uh, but I will tell you, the only thing I said to Justin, because he got to do announcements today, I was like, please don't get up there and be all awesome and funny and steal my thunder today right before I get up. And you know what he did? He totally preached my sermon. He did, but that's okay, because that just means we all needed to hear it, and it's gonna come out a little bit different for me than it did from him. But anyway, the concept of the B-Team series is to um, kind of study and dive into biblical characters or stories that aren't really noticeable. Maybe you've heard, but you haven't really studied. Uh, maybe you haven't ever heard of them. So I'm gonna talk about the widow at Zarephath today, and I'm gonna call her the inconspicuous widow. And the definition of inconspicuous is to be unnoticed, not easily seen, and not to get attention. So she totally fits in to this series. So I'm gonna read her story and then just dive into this message, but I just wanna let you know that everybody in here has a story. Everybody has a purpose, and God is the author and the finisher of our faith, and he's the author of our story. And um, so, in all stories, they go different, and they don't go in the order that we think they should, and so I'm going to talk about her story and then relate that back to our story. So her story is found in 1 Kings 17, eight through 16, and it says, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And as he was, she was going to get it, he called her and said, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. So that is an answer. She's not playing games. And I only have a handful of flour and a, left in the jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, and there was always enough. That's my favorite. Always enough flour and oil left in the container just as the Lord had promised. So I'm gonna talk about disappointment today. I'm gonna talk about delay and not getting what you want when you want it and life looking different or working out different than you thought it would. And my first point today is disappointment is going to happen. Now, I know that Justin has mentioned and I've put it out there on Facebook that I've just written a book and um, I'm not really gonna talk about it today, but I wanted to just mention that the book is birthed out of a decade of disappointment in my life. Year after year of things not working out the way I wanted to and um, just felt like God wasn't answering my prayers. And we had been married at the 10 year mark. And you know, when we got married, we were really young. And I thought, ooh, when we've been married 10 years, we're like gonna go to Hawaii and you're gonna buy me all these presents and we're gonna be set. And I just thought, you'd be so old when you've been married 10 years and have everything you want. But when we got to that 10 year mark, I was so terribly disappointed 
and where life was. And I was really at my lowest point, and it was right before we were gonna start this church. And I remember riding in the car with Justin, and I know he's told the story, and I just looked at him, and I, I it just, this was for real. I just told him, this is it. We're never gonna have our dreams come true. God is not going to answer my prayers. This is all we got. It's never gonna happen for us. We're always gonna struggle. And I just kind of gave up. I gave in to all of the disappointment. And we're just gonna be here forever and decided not to dream anymore. And um, I wasn't dealing with, I didn't deal with the disappointment the way that I'm gonna talk about today, the way that God wanted me to deal with it. And let me tell you what Jesus says about that. John 16, 33 says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's what we're gonna talk about for the rest of today with that. But I wanna go back to the widow. I want you to think about how disappointed and how broken that she was. Think about how you'd feel if you were her. It's really hard to imagine because it's such a different time, but um, she knew who God was, but in her mind, he had failed her. He had left her starving to die with her son. So I want you to imagine the frame of mind she has to be in. She's waking up, she's bent over, she's gathering sticks, and she's planning to die. So when she's gathering those sticks, imagine, do you think she's weeping, or is she cursing God and mumbling? Is she numb by this point? Just, this is happening? This is what's gonna happen in my life. So I just know that her life, in her mind, looks different than she had planned. Let's put that in our day, in our time. Maybe you feel like life is over like her. Maybe you're in the middle of a change or a challenge or you're anxious or you're worried and, and life looks different than you really wanted it to and you're disappointed. Maybe you've had a divorce or you've had a loss or you have a child that's not living for the Lord. Maybe you've lost your job or you're changing jobs or jumping into an uncertain future. Whatever it is, when we allow ourselves, like I did, to just focus on all the hurt, all the disappointment, all of the things that aren't going the way we want, you become trapped in it. It cages you in and it's all that you can see. And when I was thinking about this, I wanted to define the word trap. And there's two definitions and I really like them both. The first one is to be caught or stopped unawares. And first of all, the word unawares is really cool. Like, who uses that word? But anyway, to be caught or stopped unawares. And the second one is, a trap is a position that is difficult or impossible to escape. Okay, so my trap became fear. When I didn't deal with the disappointment the way that God wanted me to, I just became afraid. So far, nothing has worked out. Nothing is ever gonna work out. This has happened to me. This is gonna happen to me again. I just focused on all that. But your trap could be addiction, anger, jealousy. It could be disappointment and brokenness. It could be comfort. Ooh, that's a good one that you could be trapped in and not aware that you're in it. What if you're so comfortable, God is trying to pull you out of that comfort zone and reach somebody around you or step out into that new adventure he's calling you to so that you could change people's lives. She was trapped. This widow was trapped. She couldn't see the opportunity that Elijah was presenting her with, he had asked her, okay, go do what you said you're gonna do, but bring me some bread first. And she said, I swear to you that I don't have it. She's telling him, I can't do it. 
because she's trapped in that situation in her mind. In that second definition, being trapped, being broken, crushed, addicted, comfortable, sad, worried, anxious, whatever that trap could be is a position to be in. It's not an attribute of who you are. It's not saying who you're gonna be forever. It's a position to be in. And maybe you can change that position because maybe you can step out of your comfort zone or maybe you can start making wise, righteous choices in your life, but maybe you can't change that position. Maybe something has happened to you and you are stuck. But you gotta know that God can change that position for you. And then while you're waiting on God to change that position, you can use that as an opportunity to to wait for God and wait for that miracle like the, the widow did. You can use that position as an opportunity to grow, as an opportunity to lift your eyes up off of that situation to where your help comes from. A place to wait on the Lord. Because if you're not careful when you're in those kinds of situations, it can change who you believe that you are and what you believe that you can do for God if you're trapped. But you've gotta lift your eyes to see where your help comes from. Get your eyes up off of that situation and change your focus onto God. What are you doing in me during this time? What are you trying to teach me? Where are you going with this? And look to God for it. Because here's the thing, growing is painful. Growing hurts, it's uncomfortable, and it never happens the way we want it to happen. I've told God several times, and I kind of meant it, and I kind of didn't, that I'm ready to stop growing. I don't want to grow anymore, God, because it hurts. And you know, all of us, I feel like all of us would be able to say, I want to be that man of God. I want to be that woman of God. I wanna be who you're calling me to be. I wanna change people's lives. I wanna do big things for you, God. But to say that means you gotta grow. And it doesn't always happen in our timing. It doesn't happen the way we want it. It's hard, it's difficult, and it's stretching. There's a lot of resistance on that path to get to that man of God, that, man of, that woman of God that you wanna be. And here's an here's illustration about that. We understand that in the physical world. You understand that if you want to be stronger, if you want to train for this race, if you wanna get in shape, you wanna be an athlete, you need resistance to grow stronger. You need to lift weights. You need to do squats and lunges and you need to do push-ups. You need to use resistance. And some people even pay other people to make them lift more weights. And you understand that that's what you do if you wanna get stronger. And you on purpose lift weights and go home and wake up sore. You do that to yourself on purpose. You wake up and you can't sit down, you can't lift your arms up, and when my back is sore and I take a deep breath, it makes me feel like I have the flu. Like we do that to ourselves because we get the concept of if we work hard and we stretch and we use resistance in our physical bodies, we get stronger. But in the spiritual world, we completely ignore that part and we actively avoid it because we can't see the results in the spiritual like we can the physical. And we also, we think the opposite about God. We think in those stretching times, in those difficult, disappointing times, that God is tearing us down and not building us up. But it's the opposite that's true. And I'm reading a little bit of a book that Justin brought home about leadership and pain. 
because like who really wants to read a book about leadership and pain? It's really hard to read, but it's really good. And there's two quotes that I want to share with you. The first one is, you'll only grow to the threshold of your pain. That's really hard. That is not a fun Mother's Day sermon, is it? Okay, but it just means however much pain you can handle is how much you're gonna grow in life. And the second one says, people shoot for happiness, but they are formed by suffering. So that means not getting what we want all the time, that is forming us. Life not looking like the way you wanted it for a season, that forms us, brokenness and disappointment, it forms us if we allow it to. And so, I'll just lay all that out there that yes, disappointment happens, but that is a position to be in. That is a season to be in. And so let's do something with that position while we're in it. Let's don't waste that season of disappointment. And the only way we can do that is to lift our eyes and change our focus off of all the situation and on to our trustworthy Father. And so my second point is don't give up, just give in. That is that whole concept of surrender. I love the song, we didn't plan that, you can have it all, Lord. Everything in my world, think about all that our world entails and just doing this with it. Like the book that Bob Goff wrote, just surrender and give it to God. This widow, she was just about to give up. But then in her greatest need, when she felt like she had nothing left, God commanded her to feed Elijah. And listen, She didn't feel like she had anything, but Elijah only asked her for what she had. He asked her for the very last of what she had. So imagine what it would feel like to give away the very last of what you had. This is all you have left in life, and you're just about to die, and somebody asked you to give it to them. And that's kind of hard for us to conceptualize anyway, because if somebody came and asked me for the very last of what I had, I could probably go to the grocery store and get more. You know, we're not there where she is, but try to just imagine what it would be like. She was being pushed to her farthest limit. And right when she was about to give up, God showed up and she gave in. She surrendered the very last of what she had to God. She obeyed in the face of impossible circumstances. And that's what God is always asking us to do, just to be faithful right where we are with what we have, even if we feel like we don't have anything left to give. Because listen, she thought she was just out gathering sticks to die. But in verse nine, the Lord said, I have instructed a widow. He had instructed her, think about this, and she didn't even know that God had instructed her. She was just out gathering sticks and God was leading her and preparing her for miracles and she didn't even know it. That word instructed, the Lord said, I have instructed, is synonymous with directed or commanded, which means to set up. Yes, think about that. She woke up, was gathering sticks. God had already set her up to receive her miracle, to save her that day. That place she woke up broken and disappointed and bent over gathering sticks, he knew and he'd already set up a way to save her. That is the same for you and I. That place you're in, that nervous, worried, disappointed, things aren't going right, broken place, he knows, and he's already set you up 
to receive your miracle if you don't give up, but you give in and surrender. And so giving in means obeying right in the middle of your lack, obeying when you don't feel like you have enough, obeying when it doesn't look like the way you want it to look. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Instead of giving up, we can just say, God, just use me right here, right where I am, with what I have, what I don't have, and the way things are going. And that's when he can take your lack and do miracles, just like he did for the widow. And he can take your pain and your worry and your disappointment, and he can make it into ministry, and he can grow you and make it into life. Okay, this last point is my favorite, um, because I didn't wanna start with disappointment on Mother's Day, but this last point is surrender leads to trust. Oh, and it's so hard. It's so good, but it's so hard to get to that place of, Lord, you can have it all and trust him with it. But when we do that, we have the opportunity to let our plans go and take on God's dreams. Listen, this widow, her plan was to eat and die. That is not a great plan. God's plan for her was to wake up every single day and see a miracle when she opened that jar in her kitchen. Look at the difference in those plans. Hers was limited, it was full of death. His was limitless and it was life every day. That is what we get the chance to do when we surrender. We get to drop all of our plans, let him have it all and take on what he wants for us. And the more we surrender, the more he can move in our life. You know, I have an illustration. When we first got married, we were 21, and we were youth pastors, and we were just gonna take on the whole world, and we just started jumping in there, and, and I wanted to see kids saved, and I wanted to see them called to serve God and do big things, and we were doing it, and I was telling God that, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Everything I'm doing is for you, and I want you to do this. I'm pretty good at bossing God around, and I was just like, I need you to do this, because see what I'm doing for you, so I need you to do this for me, right? So you're laughing, that was true. And I began to operate like he owed me my dreams. Like he is here to do what I want him to do instead of I'm here to do what he wants me to do. Thus the 10 years that it took for God to strip all of that out of my life and stretch me and grow me so that I could let go of those plans and realize, oh no, 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 I am here for him. He doesn't owe me my dreams. I owe him my whole world, my life, my all, to serve him and build his kingdom. And when I got to that place, although it took a lot of stretching and struggle and growing, I got to trade those plans for his dreams, just like the widow did, and they're always better when you surrender your plans and your thoughts and your ways, it's always better. It doesn't always end up the same way, and it's not in the same timing. I can probably say just about ever. <laughs> That's my biggest struggle is timing. But part of that surrender means we gotta stop telling God what to do. And I am really good at that. And he reminds me of that point all the time, like, hey, I got it, 
You don't have to tell me how to do it and when to do it. But instead of telling God what we want, why don't we just start telling God, how do you wanna do this? This is your situation. What do you want this to look like? What do you want me to do in this situation? Because listen, what he wanted for this widow was so much greater than what she had decided was gonna happen. Think about that. How many times do we decide what's gonna happen before we even ask God, what do you want to happen in this situation? Because the thing about surrender is we just, we cling so tightly to the way we want things to go because they're important to us. I'm not talking about surrendering little things. It's things, mamas, it's like your kids and their futures. It's like your job, it's your marriage, it's your calling, it's that business he's calling you to. All of those things, we cling so tightly to it and disappointment comes when we tell God the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it, because we're holding on. We have to let go. We have to trust him with it. He is trustworthy. And let him take all of it, all of the worry, all of the future, all of the uncertainty, all the disappointment, the things not going the way you want, and trust him with it. That's really hard to do, but you get the difference between limit, limited and limitless when you do that. That's the trade you make. Second Timothy 1, 2, Paul is in prison and he's talking to Timothy and he says, or 1, 12, sorry. He says, that's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed, and here it is, for I know the one in whom I trust. Not I know of the one, I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Ooh, that is just so good. First, those are just such good words. Paul knows, he says, I know the one in whom I trust. And he says, I am sure. Are you sure today? I'm sure that he is able to guard. And that word entrusted also means surrendered. He's able to guard what I have surrendered. Be sure of that. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So that time when I was telling God, I'm doing all this for you, I need you to do this for me, and pushing and pushing, I used to focus on the Lord is not slow, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. But then, after a while, I love the part, instead he's patient with you. All that time I was impatient with him, he was being patient with me. He is patient with us as we're stretching, as we're growing, as we're being prepared to be usable. That's why he's being patient with us because his goal is to see as many people saved, that no one should perish and everyone should come to repentance. He was patient with me to get to the place where I could be usable to reach people. That's what he's doing in your life. That's why he's growing you. And we struggle with that surrender and that trust because many times our goal isn't God's goal. We get wrapped up in self. What I want, when I want it. Yeah, it's for you, God. But is it his goal? And this, because his goal is to save as many people as he can. And here's the thing, we get disappointed when we make our desires into our plans instead of God's desires into our plans. I'm gonna say that again, because that took me a decade to learn. <laughs> 
We get disappointed when we want what we want, when we want our desires to turn into our plans instead of God's desires to turn into our plans. When we surrender and then we trust, that means we want what God wants. Mm, that is so hard. You just lay it before him, God, I want what you want. What do you want in this situation? And that last part of trusting, and this is the best part, is just knowing when you lay it out there, he is trustworthy. He has got you. Oh, I needed to remember this. Chet, I am closing. Yes, I remember that, sorry. He is trustworthy, and he has got you. I tell people in premarital counseling, now stay with me here, because you might roll your eyes at this first point, that marriage is fun, life is hard. Now I know marriage is a whole lot of work and there's ups and downs and it's not always fun, but my point in telling them the goal is that life is gonna be hard. Remember, many trials and sorrows are coming (laughs) in life. But when you marry your best friend and you marry that teammate, that person can hold you up in the storm. You get to hang on to them and they get to hang on to you and you build each other up and you're there for each other in the hard times in life. That's what I mean by that. And I have an um, example of this. Justin, just two weeks ago, I think, told the story of when we left our first church, when we the pastors. But I'm gonna tell it my way because our perspective is completely different. He'd never even heard the story till I told him. but. The example of that is we were so young, we actually started dating uh, as youth pastors and got engaged and married at this church and all of our friends were older, they were board members and youth sponsors and they took us up under their wing and all this stuff. Well, and when we decided to leave because things were really, really bad, the pastor actually said to us, well, if you can't make it here, you're not gonna make it anywhere. Totally crushed us. And he had said, we got one more big event you have to go to, but there's a wedding rehearsal, a wedding, and then a Thanksgiving banquet, and you can't tell anybody you're leaving. You just pretend everything's fine and then disappear. So this is what we were doing. We show up to this wedding rehearsal, and um, we walk into this room, and it's, I can still see it. It's all round tables with white tablecloths, and um, we walk in, and everybody turns and starts staring at us. And you, it was the kind of stare that we we're like, oh, we know they know. We don't know what they know, because we didn't tell them, but they know something, because they were staring, and they were whispering, and we were 21, and we didn't know what to do. And so we just sat at this round table all by ourselves. There's eight seats, and everybody else in the room was just staring and whispering. And I remember grabbing hold of Justin's big old arm and getting like as close to him as I can and kind of burying my head into his shoulder. And I just kept thinking, if I can just hold on to you and you hold on to me and I just go everywhere you go and you go everywhere I go, then I can make it through this night. And that's exactly the way we're supposed to be with God. If we just know I've got him and he's got me and we hold on tight, then we can make it through whatever change or worry or disappointment or brokenness that's going on in your life. And you know, because he's trustworthy, we have to believe that when you hold on tight to him, you get to know that, that he's trustworthy. And that song, one of my favorite songs, I'm not gonna sing it, is that I called and you answered and you came to my rescue, but here's the good part, and I want to be where you are. He is not the genie that erases all of the trouble, but he is in the trouble, you get to find the Father that shelters you. 
You get to find him as your refuge. You get to snuggle in and get to know that he's trustworthy, that he hides you in the cleft of the rock by his hand, that he's with you. And that trouble gives you the opportunity to find such an intimate level of trust with your father. You get to hear his voice in a new way and trust him. This isn't up on the screen, but Psalm 37, 39 through 40 says, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in trouble. He helps them, he saves them, and they find shelter with him. He is trustworthy. And what he's bringing you through is not too deep for him to save you. You know, uh, one time I went to a friend's house and. There was a hot tub and I put Charlie and Chloe and another friend in this hot tub and Chloe was only three. And there's this little rim that's shallow on a hot tub and then there's the middle that's a little deeper. Well, I sat them in there. I don't know why I didn't think Chloe at three was gonna jump in or fall into the middle, but I turned around and started talking. When I turned back around, I couldn't see Chloe's head. So I like fully clothed, went over and hurtled right on in to the middle and pulled her out. She had fallen into the middle she wasn't prepared for. But what was too deep for her was so easy for me. And that's what it is to find God trustworthy. If you've fallen into the middle and it's too deep for you, it's not too deep for Him. He will reach down in there and rescue Him, rescue you. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued David. 2 Samuel 22, 17 says, He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. It's exactly what he did with the widow, exactly what he does with us. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. God is not conquered by any of our circumstances. He is the great I am. That is my favorite descriptor God gives himself. He just is. He is I am, fill in the blank. He is everything. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was, he is, he is to come. He is before all things, in all things. He holds all things together. And when Jesus was here on earth doing miracles, he was raising Lazarus from the dead, healing blind eyes, healing the sick. He listed out the I am statements too. He says, I am the first and the last. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He just is. He is it all. He's everything you need. He is the great I am. Anything that you need, He is enough today. You can list out anywhere. He's your comfort, your healer, your provider, your savior, your friend, your shelter, whatever you need Him to be. He is the creator of something out of nothing. The widow, He created endless meals for her out of nothing. What if you feel like you have nothing, you have no hope, He is the creator of something out of nothing for you. So I want you to think about it. What is it you need Him to be today? Maybe you feel like life is over like her. Maybe you're scared or you're lonely or you're starting a new adventure and you don't know what to do. I want you to think about it. Let's just, I wanna pray for you about this right now. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think that God, I need you to be fill in the blank. My healer, my comforter, my direction, my savior, whatever it is, God, I need you to be my wisdom, my peace, my power, 
Think about what you need him to be. And I wanna pray for you while you're thinking about that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you just are. You are all that we need. We thank you that you're enough, that you're the creator of something out of nothing, that whatever everybody in here today needs, you know, you're right there with them, setting them up for a miracle. So I just pray that you would come alongside them, Holy Spirit, and be their comfort, and be their guide, and be their strength, and show them that you're working on their behalf, and you have great limitless plans for them, and enable them to surrender those plans and trust you with it and call out to you today, God, to be the great I am in their life. And I just want everybody to keep your eyes closed right now. And if your word that is the fill in the blank is, you want God to be your savior today, I wanna pray with you about that too. And maybe um, you're shy or you're timid like me. I'm completely different than Justin and I never wanna raise my hand and I never wanna step out of my comfort zone. But maybe that you have given your heart to the Lord before and you're not living for Him, you're not surrendered to Him. Or maybe you need to surrender your life to Him. But if you want God to be your Savior today, would you just raise your hand? I just wanna have you pray with me. I'm not gonna have you stand up or do anything weird. If you just need God to be your savior today, I wanna pray with you about that too. Okay, and I just wanna pray a blessing over all of you ladies in here today as we leave. Lord, we just surrender this day. We surrender our lives to you and we thank you. We thank you that you're always enough. We thank you that you're with us and you're setting us up. And I just pray that you would bless every one of these ladies here today, that you would give them what they need, that you would bless them and help them to know that they are honored and blessed today, God, that, that the people in their lives would lift them up and carry them today and let them know how appreciated and wonderful that they are. And I pray that they would feel blessed by you today as they leave. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, I want you guys to go ahead and worship Hi. with Chet. <laughs> Didn't know he's gonna be here. Thank you, Casey. You You're did welcome. awesome, babe. You're you did a wonderful job. One of my favorite lines, it was like, she could have dropped the mic and just walked off the stage, was she, she said, in your pain, you realize he's not the genie that takes it away, but he's the father you can take shelter in. Somebody needs that today. You know, maybe this this morning and, and maybe this morning you've just been playing the game to get through life you know what I'm talking about? You just say everything's fine. You just stay numb. You don't let reality ever sink in because it's too hard to deal with. Maybe Mother's Day is specifically hard for you because you lost your mom. I, I get that. After losing my mom almost five years ago, it, it's not an easy day. And, and you're sitting here this morning, and, and this morning, you know what? It's not about God, take it all away. It's just be my father in the midst of this. 
be that father that I can grab your arm and man, I can make it through this. As long as I've got you, I know you've got me. And this morning, just realize, just understand the bigness of that statement. He's got you. He's got you wherever you are, wherever your life is. He's got you. Casey, thank you for just an awesome, awesome word this morning. Just a fantastic, fantastic job. And we're going to have everybody stand across this building um, that is here. Moms, we hope that you get to celebrate this day with those that you're around. Um, husbands, kids, man, love on your moms. Watch the Lifetime movies they want to watch today. Watch HGTV, um, whatever it is. Just grin and bear it for a day because they grin and bear it every day with us. Uh, we love you all. Um, let's worship the Lord. And then, Chet, will you dismiss him just a little bit? We'll see you guys next week. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.